With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the 286th episode of Awards Chatter the Hollywood Reporters Awards podcast, which is brought to you today by Lifetime. Lifetime's groundbreaking documentary series, Surviving R. Kelly, captivated audiences and sparked global conversation. For the first time ever, survivors and people from R. Kelly's inner circle shared their full story. Lifetime thanks the survivors for coming forward. Surviving R. Kelly, for your Emmy consideration. I'm the host of Awards Chatter, Scott Feinberg, and my guests today are rising stars in the world of comedy. Two first-generation Americans from the Bronx who were working regular day jobs and blowing off steam on Twitter when they first learned of one another, began joking with each other about similar things, and then formally teamed up on a variety of different comedic endeavors that quickly took off, including the Bodega Boys podcast and the Jesus and Mero Viceland TV show, which ran from 2016 through 2018 and ultimately led to where they have been since February 21st of this year. As the host of Showtime's first-ever late-night talk series, also called Jesus and Marrow, the program from that crowded genre that currently draws, according to the New York Times, quote, the most diverse audience and the youngest, 35 on average, close quote, and is rapidly growing its following, Jesus Nice and the Kid Marrow. Over the course of our conversation at the Jesus and Marrow offices in Manhattan's CBS Broadcast Center, the duo, who are both 36, Marrow is just three days older than Jesus, opened up about their roots in terms of both community and comedy, how their workaday lives were impacted by their use of Twitter and by others who believed they ought to join forces, how they processed their subsequent rise to prominence, which soon led to them joking on the air with big-name celebrities and, after they moved to Showtime, acquiring a support staff, all while never losing sight of the place where they came from and the people whose support propelled them along the way, plus much more. So without further ado, let's go to that conversation. All right, Jesus and Meryl, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the podcast. Always begin with just a few basics, which anyone who follows you guys knows the answer to the first part of this. But we always say, where were you born and raised, and what did your folks do for a living? So, Jesus? Born in the BX, you know, the greatest borough in the world. Uh, my father <laughs> my father had every possible job. He was a landlord. He worked, he worked like a bank manager also. And then my mother, was she was a librarian. So, yeah. yeah. And I, like every other Dominican American, was born in Washington Heights and then relocated to the Bronx. <laughs> my father was an HVAC technician and my mother was a public school teacher. So, you guys, you know, now 
people know you as Deezus and Merrill, but you were not born with those names. So I'd love to ask if you can just share, you know, what was your name originally and how did we get to where we are now? Deezus, you want to start? Oh, my original name is Daniel. And D- I was just really nice with computers. Like I would do miracles. So they kind of were just like, oh, he's like, Jesus, he's like, does miracles with computers? Like Jesus, right. like that. It, childhood nickname and just stuck around forever and yeah. then when i registered online it was like the first thing i thought of which actually was surprised most sites it wasn't available but surprisingly it was jesus nice was available on twitter so that's how we ended up and with that, that w- the the nice part was just a play on uh jesus christ jesus yes. nice. Okay. Like, let's, let's go full blast <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> well me it was just like my dad wanted my name to be romero yeah and my mom was like no I carried him in my womb for nine months. I am choosing the name. His name is going to be Joel. Yep. And my all my uncles on my dad's side were like, fuck that. We're just <laughs> going to call you Romero. <laughs> so then when it came time to, like, write graffiti, yes. like, when I was, like, around 11, 12, like I, like, I just kept seeing graffiti everywhere. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, what's my name going to be? And at first for, like, a month it was J-Dog. And I was like, that sounds so corny. <laughs> it has to be something else. So And I couldn't write Romero because you, if you're doing graffiti, you know. Yeah. The longer you take, yes. the more <laughs> your chances yeah, of getting arrested are. So I shortened it to Miro, right. and that's been go. it ever since. So where do you guys think your sense of humor comes from individually? Before we talk about how you bounce off each other, just were you each the class clown? Were you mouthy in school or at home? Like, just where did this start for you, Jesus? Uh, it wasn't a class clown in school. It was pretty quiet at school, but I had three sisters, so there was always a lot of us at home, and it's just like, immigrant kids three sisters were always like cutting ass on each other like you'd have to you'd have to be ruthless with your mouth and then add that to like growing up in a new york city school so you just learn to be really quick (laughs) because you could if you weren't the biggest person you couldn't beat someone up but if you could say like a jab that was like like if someone was bothering you were to say something like yo your mother's this that took you far in life and just having sisters we were just always sparring so just when it it translated to the internet pretty easily yeah yeah it was it's kind of similar with me too like i have a uh I'm the oldest. My sister is 11 months younger than me, not even a whole year. Wow. And then my brother came along three years later, so it was just like a constant, like, going back and forth, going back and forth, going back and forth. And my dad and his brothers would all get together, like, on weekends, and he would make me make fun of his brothers. (laughs) Like, he would be like, do do an impression of Uncle Gil, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when he's drunk, you know, by the river or whatever, and I would do it, and, like, they would all laugh. And I was just like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, this is this is cool. And then at school, like I was, I would just I would finish my work. I'd be bored, and I would start fucking around. So then, like, but not like malicious, like crazy, like lighting shit on fire, fucking right, around, right. just like telling jokes and right. like screwing around. And I did get named class clown a bunch of times in like <laughs> every yearbook. But I knew, like, you know, like I didn't think I could make money doing it. But right. it was just that's how it began. It was just like, yo, this dude is. I like this guy. He's funny. Like, and I think it's interesting. I mean, do you think the fact that you're both first-generation Americans, children of immigrants, are all four parents not, you know, born outside yep. of the States? Mm-hmm. So, Jesus, where's your family from? Oh, uh, from Jamaica. Jamaica. From St. Elizabeth and Christiana in Jamaica, like very poor counties in wow. Jamaica. And they, and what, what made them come to America? The American dream. Yeah. It's just like, there's nothing, there was nothing, and Jamaica's still a very dangerous and violent place, and yeah. it was like the 70s, and not just thinking about it, like, they really just picked up everything and came to America, yeah. like, let's see what happens. Yeah. So, I mean, and they... 
Yeah. Got, the kid got a show, so I guess it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> and Mario, your family's Dominican? Yeah, 100%. My uncle came here first in like the late 60s and set up a bodega, as Dominicans yes. are known to do. And then my my dad came over. My mom got her visa while I was germinating inside her. And I came over here and was born in St. Luke's. There you go. Anchor baby gang. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So when, when you guys were going through high school, had, planning to either go off to college or go out in the real world or whatever, did it ever even occur to you that there could be a, a way to make a living doing comedy or what were your plans as you were finishing high school let's say oh no never com- never no. comedy it was more like just get a soul crushing nine to five yeah. and yeah. just do that until I meet some woman have some kids and just <laughs> have just that regular hey barely getting by yeah, right. hey, hey, how you doing yeah, you know what I mean because for because for, for, you gotta you know if you zoom out like you see where our parents come from yeah yeah that, to us, that's just like, oh, that's regular, whatever, boring existence. To them, it's just like, yo, I made it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I used to live under, I used to have to sleep under a mosquito net. I used to shit in an outhouse. Yeah. Now I have running water and electricity. So, like, the next step up to them is just like, we're scoffing at what, like, their dream. Yeah, you right, know what I mean? And right. it's wild. But it's like, you want the best for your, every generation that comes after you, right? Yeah. Like, I want my kids to, like, not only think about entertainment as an option, but think about anything as an yeah. option. You yeah. Know? yeah. We yeah. never thought, it, I, like we both, I can say this for both of us. We never were sitting there like, "Yo, fam, I'm gonna have a TV show." Yeah. Like, never. It was. I remember some of my dreams at the time were like, "Yo, hope, hope I get this good service review." <laughs> like, I remember I was up for a promotion at my job, and it was just like I didn't get it, and I was just like, "What now?" Well, I, before I put all my eggs in that one basket. Like, before we even get into what you guys were doing, because you did have real world jobs not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time you crossed paths was in high school. Yeah. yeah. What was the what were the circumstances? It was a summer school because yeah. everyone in New York, you go to like uh, like magnet charter schools. Yeah. Not, not charter schools, magnet summer schools. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't like oh wow, Meryl. It was like yo, I know a guy that knows him. Yeah. And it was it. There was nothing from our interaction. It was just like yo, I'll see you in fifteen years. Hey. Hey, <laughs> we doing a podcast <laughs> on Showtime. Yeah. It was never that. It was <laughs> just like yo, I know a guy that be right. with him. It was just like another Bronx face. Like yeah. nothing remarkable about it. And then you, so after that summer, you go on your own, go on yeah. your ways. You both go off to start college, right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus, you're over at College of Mount St. Vincent in Riverdale, Shout right? Shout out to my, all my dolphins. But also, <laughs> I originally, because I was doing computers, yeah. I originally applied for Manhattan College. Okay. They're sister schools. So I, for some, Manhattan College did not approve me. But I get to Mount St. Vincent, they're like, oh, all your classes are computers. So all your classes are Manhattan College. So for the first three years, you were there anyway. We're at Manhattan College. Uh. So fourth year, I get to college of Mount St. Vincent. I don't know anybody. <laughs> it was just the weirdest experience whatsoever. So but shout out to shout out to the uh, College of Mount St. Vincent Dolphins uh, number, the winners of the was Division Three women's volleyball yeah. champs, <laughs> champs, champs. And and Merrill, meanwhile, you go off and start at Hunter College, right? Yep. So when Jesus, when you finished, when you graduated, Merrill, when you decided you're done, now you got to go get real jobs, right? Mm-hmm. So what were the take us through? From those points that I just mentioned to when you get outreach from somebody at a place called Complex. So just from the end oh, of you, school to the beginning of— I don't of, think you have enough time for my story because I had way too many yeah? jobs. Way too many jobs. Like, from fresh out of college, I went from—I worked for the New York Public Library. From there, I was, did freelance computer programming and, like, website design and server administration. At the same time, I was, like, a bartender working at nightclubs and managing nightclubs. 
It was the New York experience. Yeah. It was just like if I had extra time, I was working because that was just the way always it was. Always based in the Bronx. No, always no. usually in the city, yeah. sometimes international. There was yeah. one point where I was like buying and reselling domain names. And then finally I got to being a small business reporter for a magazine. Okay. Yeah. And Man, I started off like straight out of school. I went into, I started working at Lehman Brothers yeah. in the mailroom. And um, it was like a kind of like a hookup. Like my mom knew... The, the boss's mom, yeah. and they were friends, so he, they were like, yo, can you please give my black sheeps on a job? <laughs> and I got a job there, and then I weaseled my way into IT with knowing zero about computers, mm -hmm. just, like, filling out work orders mm -hmm. and shit like that. Then this this wild thing happened in 2001, and then I had to relocate to the Lehman Brothers offices in J New Jersey City. Wait, so you had been working in the trade yeah, center? Yeah, yeah, and it was, it was wild because that August, I summered in DR, all my teenage yeah. years, like my entire like life yeah. until I started like having to pay for it myself. Yeah. And I came back like late, late August and I was just like, uh, I was like, yeah. And I was just kind of like flying by the seat of my pants. Like I didn't really care about a lot at that time. So I was just like, oh, I just called my boss and I was like, oh, I'll be back. Like, you know, I'm like something happened out here. Like, da, da, da. and like my, my cousin who works with yeah. me calls me. On September 11th, and it's like, yo, turn the fucking TV on. I was like, what? Why? So where are you? You're at home? I'm home. And I'm like, what? So I turned the TV on, and I was like, holy shit. I was like, where are you? He's like, yo, I was about to get on the train to go to work, but I guess not. I was like, what the fuck? So I did a like, lot of people you know they were affected by that? Well, I worked in Three World Financial, uh -huh. which is like in between the two towers, yeah, yeah. building with the green top or whatever. So yeah. like everybody got the fuck out of there. Yeah, yeah, good. Mostly. Like I didn't, like nobody that I know. Well, actually, my neighbor yeah. was... And managed to escape or whatever, but he's just like, he's fucked, yeah, now, like yeah. mentally, because he was yeah. like saw a lot of shit oh go God. down on the yeah. way out. So, Jesus. but yeah, no. But then after that, I was just like going to Jersey City, and it was like, damn, dude, you gotta wake up at a quarter to five every morning to get on four different trains, and yeah. I was just like, man, fuck this, this is not gonna work. And then I worked at a beauty supply in Bay Plaza. Yeah, so these are you guys are in all these different fields, all this stuff, and yet throughout it all, the one thing that you had in common, and I guess that brought you back together was Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So, like, do you remember when when Twitter first came along? What drew you know for each of you? What drew you to it? And then how you sort of, I mean, in your own way, at least on a local level, became kind of well known on Twitter, right? Yeah. Well, the thing with Twitter was when Twitter first came around in like oh eight oh nine. Twitter was different than it was now. It wasn't yeah. so much about communicating. It was more like a journal. Yeah. It was more like yo, this was going on in my life because I remember I signed up for Twitter. I looked at it once and I was like, this shit is whack. This is boring. No one's ever going <laughs> to use it. And I was like, for maybe two months, I didn't check it. And then right. I logged in. I had like 10 followers because yeah. my friends had all followed yeah. me. And I was yeah. like, all right, I guess we have something here. And I did like one little tweet, like, this is boring. Yeah. But then I worked at a nightclub at night. Uh -huh. And I was doing the door. And I was just like bored out of my mind. So I would just be like live tweeting, which was weird because like I was live tweeting from around 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. Right. when no one was on Twitter. Right. So I was just like. <laughs> and people would check the next day, like, yo, you really work at night. Yeah. yeah. But that's kind of how it worked. And also, Twitter had a function that was like local Twitter, where basically using GPS, they got rid of this now because people would get murdered <laughs> yeah, off of right. it. But you could switch to see who was active in your neighborhood. Okay. Yeah. And then you'd be like, oh, you're on this block, and that's how you'd be able to hang out. Yeah. So I would used to only hang out with like people, other Bronx people on Twitter. Yeah. And that's when they got rid of that. 
you know, Twitter was kind of the same thing, but it, was, it wasn't the same. It was just like, you'd have people asking questions like, yo, you people in New York, like, you get your food from places with, like, cats in it? And I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, the, the, the cold bodegas. They, they kill <laughs> rats. So, so every time you'd run across, like, i run across a mural tweet, yeah. he'd be like, yeah, such and such on East Chima. I'm like, oh, oh, Bronx Twitter, blah, blah, blah. And, like, we kind of connect off of that. And, and did you like realize that. immediately this is the guy that I once went to summer school with or it took a while to re- put it together? It took a while it's because a while, he'd yeah. reference yeah. people and I'd be yeah. like, oh, such and such from here? From here? Do you, oh, know, you know, this know this guy? guy? And right. it's like, oh. But I didn't put it together. Yeah. Plus, like, his avatar was not him. Right. So like maybe I would have been able to guess or whatever. And I don't think mine was my, me, mine either. It yeah. was just like my the back of my head like doing a tag or something. Yeah. So it's like yeah. we don't like we don't know that we're talking to yeah, each yeah. other. And then it's just like oh oh. Well, so why were you on Twitter, Mero? Well, I had a blog at the time, yeah. and uh, my a friend of mine was just like, oh, you should go on Twitter. And I was just like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And she was like, it's just it's like kind of like Facebook statuses, but like that's it. And I was like, that sounds. Dumb as shit. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was just like, okay, but if you say so, like, yeah. you're pretty smart. Yeah. You went to Pace. <laughs> and, like, so I started just dropping links to the blog on it and then just, like, making other, like, random observational shit and then, like, doing what I like to call joke tennis with Jesus where yeah. he would say something and I would respond or I would say something, he would respond, and then people would just jump into right. our conversation. Right. And be like, yo, this, mother, you, this shit is funny, like, blah, 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 whatever, you know? So. so you guys, though, didn't put it together that you, the person that you're corresponding with was somebody that you had once known until the complex outreach? Or had that already? No, no, no it yeah. already happened. It happened through, like, just us talking, talking more. Yeah, okay, just, you yeah, started yeah, to realize. Yeah. Yeah. But also, it wasn't that big a deal. It's just yeah. like, yo, you're running to people from the Bronx all the time. All the time, yeah. yeah. All the time, yeah. 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 Okay, so before you had somebody saying, I believe that you guys are funny and should have a career doing some form of comedy, you were starting to get... Well, tell me, how would you character? How does Chelsea Peretti end up having Mero on as a guest in 2012 before there was any podcast or show or anything i think it was off the strength of the blog she read some of my stuff and then she just like hit me up and was like and this is in the early stages of twitter where like if you had a blue check it was like yeah big deal it was a huge deal so i was just like okay like i'm not super familiar with who you are but like you you think you fuck with my comedy and like you're bigging me up and you're obviously well known yeah so like she just called me one day and like her podcast was like called Chelsea Peretti. Yeah. So I called and I was just like talking shit and like whatever. And then like so many people were like, who is that guy? I love him. Like, bring him back. Blah, 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 blah. Right. So, you know, it, and I just made connections like that. Like, yeah. it was just, it was just organic. Like, and were Wale, you also, Ezra Koenig, same thing. It seems though, I guess the, the, the big, the big moment though is you both at about the same time get just like a random email. Not a random email. It was from our friend Donnie Kwa, who worked at Complex, and that's okay. what his job was to like. He was like create. He was creating content, and he had seen our tweets before. And like, I knew Donnie. Like, we would go way back, and he was the one that was just like, "Yo, Complex, you need these two. Can you tell if there's somebody listening who doesn't know what Complex is? Can you just give a little? Tease? Complex is like a lifestyle portal. I don't even know if there's still a magazine, but it's just like a, it's a youth oriented brand slash entertainment site, and they talk about sneakers, yeah. culture, music, music sports, like hip hop, things yeah. like that. And so this outreach from Donnie is saying, I think you know you're funny, and and what else? Let's do. You two should do a podcast. It's literally you two. He's should do saying a I, I want you to come in for a meeting. And he says, I'm bringing in another guy, too? No. No? He says, you and Miro should do a podcast. And so I'm it was already it. known to him. Donnie knew it. And he was saying what he had in mind was clearly from the beginning of podcast. Yeah. yeah. And so you guys who, at that time, what what was your 
job situation and your financial situation and your personal situation <laughs> when you heard from him? Broke, broke, and broke. Yeah, yeah super <laughs> broke. It was one of those jobs. Like, my job at the time as a small business reporter, it was, like, it was ironic because I was, like, reporting for a financial magazine, and I was broke. Like, I was reading the magazine for tips on how to survive through That's the end of the month. And it was, I remember one day, it was just like, I have enough to pay my rent or my electrical bill. And I was like, this is not how life is supposed no. to be. This is not, I was like, well, I could either sit in the dark or be homeless and just sit in there. But the thing, it was a good job. You had like health insurance. And I was just like, I looked over and I saw a guy. He'd been working there for 12 years. He was like, it's not the worst thing, fam. It's a, it's a decent paycheck and everything. But in the back of my, like, it's, I've always felt the worst job is any job that doesn't fully use your talents because yeah. you know it yeah. and you just feel yourself wasting it away. And I was still writing these articles, but by then I had checked out. I would get to work just to apply for other jobs. So the only reason I was staying there was because I had to, but my whole life I've never I've never said no to an offer. That's why I've had so many jobs. Like, yeah, yeah. if something else pops along, I'll take You're it. Take and it so they were just like, yo, we're going to try this podcast thing. And I was like, you know what? Fail, at least if I try to do the podcast and I fail, at least I tried. And he was offering, like, competitive pay? Hell no. No? no. Offering we had no idea. Of, we had no idea what was going we on. We were getting paid, like, free, like freelance. We got paid for that maybe the way you get paid for articles, like freelance. Yeah. We, had, yeah. we had to do an invoice, and I was like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. 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 But that's how bad the jobs were. It was just like, yo, fam, like, I'd rather strike out doing this podcast yeah. stuff than stay doing that. Yeah. And, Mero, what was your, what was your situation? Man, you? I had a child. I had a wife and I was making like 20 grand a year as a paraprofessional and she was making more money because she was like already on as a teacher yeah. but it was still like paycheck to paycheck you know what I mean like one bedroom apartment with a kid luckily like my mother owned a home in the Bronx and she was like hey the tenant that was here is leaving so you can move in and I'll give you like a cut like basically a discount yeah, on rent yeah. and that's how we were able to make it because the complex money supplemented you know what I mean? Like the the paycheck. Yeah. Like I ended up staying home with my first kid the first year because it would have cost more to send him to daycare yeah, yeah. and me go to work than it would have for me to just stay home. So when your wife hears that you've got this offer to like do the podcast, you're saying it wasn't you weren't giving something up originally to do it. No. But so she was just saying, you know, do what you go, do what yeah, you want to do. Make it happen. Yeah. Because yeah. before that, it was just like people were paying me like fifty dollars here to do a blog post, yeah. seventy five dollars here to do a blog post. And she was just like encouraging me, like, yo, yeah. just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Like, if if it was twenty five the first time and fifty and seventy five, it's only going to get better. Right. So I was just like, okay, yeah. cool, that makes sense. And we were off to the races. But then, you know, well, so. Why did the podcast? How quickly did it take off, and why did it take off? Oh, uh, because it was nothing. It took off very quickly. It yeah. actually pivoted the video after the seventh episode, yeah. which is r ridiculous. No one does that. Sort of like live stream online video. Type. No, like us on. Like before, it was audio only. Yeah, and yeah. then it went to actual digital Vid show. digital show. First digital properties, yeah. and people loved it because there was nothing like it. Yeah, and it's still you know it's a frantic energy you see today between us. Like yeah. They, it was the whole thing. It wasn't so much complex. It was more like us. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like two guys from the Bronx. If you don't know about the Bronx, like people were like, yo, they talk so fast. I don't know their slang, whatever. But it was so refreshing that right away people were like, yo, you got to check this out. Because where else are you going to find that? Exactly. Right. Yeah. So can you explain what was the physical setup as you're doing the podcast? It was literally a green screen mm -hmm. with two like bar stool type of chairs, like high chairs, like milk crates at one yeah, point. Yeah, right? yeah, milk crates They're and fine. a cardboard yeah. on top with yeah. with uh, quarter juices on top. So as your fan base was growing, which I guess was that already, which would you already call that the bodega hive, or that was only when the when your own 
podcast came Oh, when our own podcast. Yeah. We, yeah. So, That's but, when it became, like, solidified. Like, we have fans, but it was just, like, it, it became, like, an army that you could call upon. Yeah, yeah. When we, when we struck out on our own. And so you're with this complex podcast, then online broadcast from 2013, 2014. And then it sounds like something, 2014, the... MTV noticed you guys. Yeah, is that yeah. what, so? How MTV did that too. happen? And MTV too. What do you know? How you got on their radar? And what what did they want you to do? I believe her name was Dara Cook. Yeah. She, I think she was just like, yo, I came across these guys. These guys are hilarious. MTV two sent they scheduled a meeting, and we go to this meeting. It's like the head of MTV two, and Dara Cook is there, and she's cracking up. She's like, you guys are gonna love this guy. She's also from the Bronx, so I think okay. she saw yeah. that. It was like, but just for her to even have that eye was just like, yo, fam, like these guys, we need these guys, and then. You know, MTV2 was like, all right, let's take a chance on these guys. And Merrill, they didn't really, though, know what to do with you, right, once you were there. It's one of these things where, yeah, you no, know, it was. first time you're with a, within a big, because they're, they're actually, I guess, the same parent company as where you are now, right, because it was Viacom. Yeah. But at that time, it's just like, we know these guys are talented, we want to work with them, but we don't know what to do we with them. We don't know what to do with them. It was yeah. just kind of like, uh, they were like, okay, we have LeBron, but... <laughs> This is a tennis league. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, because uh, you know how it's like the how TV we... development schedules, and yeah. it's just like, yeah. yeah, you just got us, but you've had yeah. other people sitting and waiting for a show for four years. Right. Like, yeah. do we have priority over them? And, you know, like, also, Very uh, political. any kind of corporation like that, there's so many moving parts. It's like, People come in and people leave. So someone that might have signed you might have left. Right. Now, there's no impetus for you getting right. a show or like somebody else wants to make their name using this other person. It's just a lot. It's very Hollywood. So, you know, it was a lot of let's hurry up and wait. But you guys were probably not minding that, right? Because I would guess going MTV, too, from Complex, your, your pay went up a little bit, right? Oh, yeah. That yeah. Was, that was, yeah. And it's funny because, like, that was like... That like that was a like a negotiation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was like okay, now we're really in TV because yeah. like we're like we're count. There's an out. There's an offer. There's a counter offer. Yeah. There's a counter to we that counter. Agents, there's a counter. Lawyers. Now everybody's like involved. Yeah. Contracts. With Complex, it was just was like, like yo. That was your first time with representation for that deal, probably. Yeah, we had yeah. for the Complex, but it wasn't at like. The complex contract was probably like from Staples or something. Yeah. Like, from like, <laughs> but this was like real, and they're like, "Yo, like we need our lawyers to look through every page." Right. Like it was a very real thing. This may be jumping out of chronology here, but who's Victor Lopez? Victor Lopez is the brain god. Yeah, yeah. He is the money guy. He without him, there's no us. Like, and when did he enter the picture? Oh, he's been there from the start. From the start. beginning, yeah. Like even like before, like before the podcast, like when I was just doing the blog, there was like a small boutique agency called Synetic that he worked at, and he was just a participations analyst, and he was just crunching numbers a lot. But um, I guess he saw my blog or whatever, and then he like stood up in a room of like older white guys and was like, "This dude is funny." And then like when we connected, it was just like a natural progression it was just like it was you not, know, water flowing downhill like so it was not, your manager is that what you would say or what yeah. do you yeah my manager advisor kind yeah, of thing but yeah. when because he was with Miro first yeah, and like yeah. I'm looking through the complex contract and I was like I can understand it I don't know if I could legally sign it yeah. and he's like yo listen to my guy yeah. and it's funny because at that time um, Victor was a vacation in Miami yeah. Yeah. so now imagine he's like yeah I got a guy he's like down in Miami yeah. right now like <laughs> and he has like a very stereotypical name and I talked to him and right. he's like he's like how's it going bro and I was like oh, this is terrible <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I have a code. And I was like, all right. And then I met Victor. And you know what? Victor, like, he's the guy. Like, Victor is four, you know that saying, 4D chess? Victor is, like, five steps ahead. Like, wow. Victor yeah. already knows what we're going to be doing, like, 
I want to say 2025. Wow. Like he's, he's, dope. shout That's out to him. He's been the one common thread aside from having each other. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like we're on the deck, like drinking and shit. Like we're on a booze cruise, like getting wasted and like yeah. making everybody laugh. And he's at the wheel. Like, okay. <laughs> Iceberg ahead. You know what I mean? Churn it. Yeah. Okay. So after only this one year at MTV two, where it's kind of like floundering around a little bit, not, not because you guys didn't have things you wanted to do, but they just didn't know what to do. Now in the meantime, was it after you left that you decided to do your Bodega Boys podcast, or was it while you were still? Was it like sort of to keep busy while you're there? While we were still there, yeah. because uh, I think what happened was we kind of got to a point where we said to MTV too, like, "Yo," because when we one of the stipulations to come over from Complex was the podcast had to end because I think Complex owned the rights to the podcast. Okay, so we're just sitting there and we're just like, "Yo, fam, like we're ready to be on TV. What's up?" And yeah. Somebody was like, yo, fam, I don't think you're ready to be on TV. But they kind of were just like, why don't y'all restart your podcast? Kind yeah. of with that kind of flipping attitude. And and the podcast, so it was technically under MTV. Or no, nope. it, it was always in the Because, like he said, like, because the way that we received that message, yeah. the message was kind of like, yeah, go ahead, do your little podcast. Like, yeah. whatever. The, yeah, like, busy. get out of my office. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah right. like, go do it. Keep busy. Whatever. <laughs> so then we literally went across the street and got one of these. Yeah, yeah we yeah. bought a, a H4N Zoom. <laughs> yeah. We had no idea how to use it. Yeah, yeah. And we're just, yeah. like, we're just going in different rooms trying yeah. to do podcasts. We have no audio We're in, like, edit bays yeah. and I still have some like, of the early tests, and they are a mess. Rough, like, it sounds yeah. like mirrors on the other side. But the thing is, like, we always, the whole time we are at MTV2, people just come in the room and sit there while we were talking, and they they would just enjoy it. So we're like, well, we still got this. And then we just brought the podcast back we went to uh red we shout out who was it at red bull that uh max max at red bull yeah. at and red when bull. they became like and a Joe. sponsor not even a sponsor right. they they were doing red bull has the arts program shout out to yeah. red bull and what they do they just they provide studio time for just cool people ah. yeah. and like we never signed component shout yeah. out to red bull. we never signed a contract with red bull and they just provided us every every friday morning they provide us with the studio so that's where and you they, guys would go and do it You'd yeah do it once a week yep. for how long we started we were doing it once uh, we were doing it twice a month, and people were just like, "No, nah, we nah, need this every, every week." Because yeah. it was the same underlying format that has remained the case through today, right? It's mm -hmm. some banter about what's going on in the world. Maybe you bring in a guest. Mm -hmm. Well, there usually was never a guest on yeah. the podcast, but the podcast was just so wild and just like improv and sketches and voices. Just right. it was, it was people it enjoyed was, it. It was like everything. Well, just the thing that you know from reading about the early days of it, like it sounds like. If there's a slight difference between the podcast and the TV shows, I guess the podcast leans into more, has always leaned into more local stuff, maybe even more than the shows into what is known as black Twitter, right? Just yeah. like what's going on basically in the community, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. So how did the community respond to having something like this? Because, you know, you said you had a little following with the complex podcast and the, and the online show, but this was now quickly at a different level right mm -hmm. yeah, oh yeah it, it was it, people would come up to us and be like this is therapeutic yeah like this is cathartic like i listen to this on my way home from work when if i've had a shitty day or like somebody on twitter said the other day like i put on your pot your guys podcast when i'm having a panic attack mm. i was like holy shit mm -hmm. and i was like i have anxiety and i know what a panic attack feels like and i was like that shit sucks yep. yeah so you to be able to just that. do that and like and just Calm bring down, it back down yeah. to like uh, you know a manageable level is is amazing yeah we didn't even realize like people at first i thought the fans were just being annoying because it's just like 
All right, we took a week off for the podcast. It was like, yo, where's the podcast? And like, everything on Instagram. You post something like, yo, where's the podcast? Send me your podcast. You're just, and you're just like, yo, like, relax. My daughter was born. Yeah, right. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck her. Where's the podcast? And you're just like, yo, why? And you're just like, they're so greedy. They're ing- and it's like, no, they love this stuff. Like, right. we met people that got married off of it, people that use wow. it for therapy and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I, you know, I'm not a big podcast listener. Like, I couldn't even... I couldn't name like four podcasts yeah, yeah, yeah. that I listened to religiously, but people just loved it so much. And then like Entertainment Weekly picked it up and then we were on like Good Day New York and all these venues that we didn't have like uh, PR at the time. Right. These were all organic ass and people were just like, yo, uh, we ended up hosting Fool's Gold Day Off with A-Track. We, no experience whatsoever. And they just put us out there and people, no matter what people do in front of us, we bodied it. And I think people really liked They were like, yo, they're the real deal. And what kind of traffic are we talking about? It was like, Big, big, big. It wasn't numbers. big in the beginning. Yeah. It wasn't like millions of people, yeah, but it was like big enough to be like, oh, yo. Because I used to upload the podcast and yeah. take care of all that yeah. manually. And it was just like, it wasn't big, but it was very consistent. Yeah. And that that's the thing. You don't want big. No. You want consistency. Steady, yeah. You want to yeah. slowly yeah. turn the heat up and like cook the frog and the. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to spike. You want like one of these. Exactly. Curves, yeah. And then, you know, I never, the podcast was always like, oh, okay, this is cool. And then one day I was uploading the podcast and I uploaded the sound, I uploaded the podcast and I hadn't even typed in the text description and I see the downloads going already before. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. It's like this a is, drug for people. I was yeah. like, this yeah. is something. Yeah. So where did the name Bodega Hive come from? Because we're oh, bodega, man. we're the bodega boys, yeah. and you know, like every fan base is the hive. Yeah. We have the yeah. bay, beehive, beehive yeah. 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 Just, navy, etc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they just they just dubbed themselves the bodega oh, yeah. hive, and yeah. their symbol is a little art emoji. So yes. if we ever don't drop it, right? They, they just where's the art? Where's the art? Yeah. And that's what they call the podcast. Because right. I think somebody online was like. Somebody was like, their podcast is trash, and somebody said something to the effect of, well, of course you would think that because it's not podcast. It's it's visual art. <laughs> Facts. And it's it's wild because, like, they will, like, we don't even have to say anything. Like, we don't have to, like, we don't feed, we don't have to feed the trolls, so to speak, right. because it's like, I feel like there's people in the our fan community that, like, Look for people that are yeah, like slandering them. us, and it's just like they're just like, Yeah, yeah, I was waiting for this, you know what right. I mean? Like, I'm mean, gonna just get bombarded by gifts and memes, and right. like, you know, because it's a like, gen- you know what the thing is, the podcast doesn't bother anybody, the podcast yeah. is its own island. We're the Switzerland, well, yeah, you if never you want it, you can have it, and if you don't, leave it. So, alone. if yeah. you don't like it, and you're like, Yo, this is whack, you went out your way to listen to exactly. it, and like, yeah. what did you gain from this tweet saying it's whack? It, other people like it, you're the curmudgeon that doesn't, like, maybe yeah. keep that to yourself. So, what is I don't like licorice, do you see me walking around being like, Look at this trash. So as this, as you're becoming for the first time now, sort of, you know, legit local celebs. What was the reaction at home in the community? Just how were your lives changing? It was funny because being on TV was cool, and it was just like, yo, I see you on TV. But I don't think it really became big until we did Bronx local news. Yeah. And people were just like, because that's on all the time in yeah. the Bronx. And people, I remember someone was like, yo, you and your boy, was, shout to y'all. Y'all made it to the news and you didn't get shot. And I was like, <laughs> Word. I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But so many people, like people saw that and was like, because you might not watch the news yeah, yeah. with the audio on, but Bronx local news is on a loop all yeah. weekend. And they yeah. interviewed us. And so random people was like, yo, they didn't know. They was like, yo, the boys. It's the boy. Yo, thank you for repping the Bronx. Yo, yo, thank the Bronx. So proud you, of you. Thank you. So, thank you. Oh, and it was just wild, like, yeah. people loved it. And the idea that there's no Bronx representation on TV. So people, they're just like, yo, fam, thank you. So people embrace us. Like, we are, like, legends in the Bronx. Yeah. And people were just like, yo, thank you so much. Like, seeing, like, older people were like, the Bronx always has, like, a bad name, a bad, just to see the excellence you guys do. And you see them tearing up. And yeah. you're just like, yo, fam, we do it for y'all. Wow. So what was the beginning of somebody saying, you guys need to be on TV? 
I think it was just the fact that MTV showed interest. That was just like to us was just like yeah. a duh. Like and okay, also if you spend any time around us, right. you spend yeah. any time around us right away. You were like these guys need a show. Like just a while ago, we were just stuck for almost ten hours in the Newark airport. Oh god! And yeah. we're you know everyone else is and we're just clowning. We're making ourselves laugh. Yeah. We're doing little like sketches and shit. Yeah. And this girl behind us is just like. They're really funny. And the guy next to them was like, yeah, they have a show. And she's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But okay, so we know that MTV, too, sort of got it, but they didn't know what to do with it. So Viceland, mm-hmm. how do they enter the picture? So we're at the end of the MTV contract. It's coming to a close. Victor's like, you know, maneuvering, wheeling and dealing, seeing what's going to happen. And then, like, before MTV... I had written a pilot with Ezra Koenig about working at a school because he worked at a school before Vampire Weekend got big and I was still working at the school. You were their special ed teacher? Yeah. yeah. So we're talking about that and like in order for that to, in order for us to be able to sign at MTV, they had to make a carve out for a scripted series because we had already sold that show. Right. Nick Weidenfeld was involved in that and he is the guy who was running Adult Swim for a long time. He ran Fox's ADHD mm-hmm. and he like we're literally like <laughs> sitting in like like a, a green room, la- like, like a, a green dude. room, yeah. And then yeah. the phone rings, and I'm like, "Hello, what's up?" And and Nick is like, "Hey, look, I got like three job offers in front of me, X, Y, and Z. Do you guys want to come yeah. to Viceland and have a show? Yeah, whichever yeah. one I pick, I'm taking you guys with me. So let me know which one sounds best to you. And we so like, it was not only Viceland. There could have been two other yeah. possibilities. Yeah. yeah. Can you? I mean, enough times passed. Can you tell us who else was interested? I mean, no, it wasn't. He wasn't trying to take us other places. Like he had different. Oh, I see. He I had different he options. And yeah. you would have gone with right. With so him. he was like, I'm. I'm going to be head of programming at X, Y, or Z. <laughs> Got it. And the first thing that I want to come out with is your is guys' talk. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes to Viceland. You guys go to Viceland. Yeah. This is now your your first episode of Deezer Samara at Viceland was on October 17th, 2016, a few weeks before the, the big election. Mm-hmm. It was right away four nights a week mm-hmm. yep. at 11. What's the difference in terms of, you know, you, you obviously had this whole history of doing the podcast together. There's a certain banter and all that. But now to bring cameras into the picture, I know there had been cameras with mm-hmm. Complex, but that's not like a produced thing. How did you adjust to the requirements of TV now that you're going to Iceland? It was no big, you know what, nope. we, we're good anywhere. And yeah. it was just like, it didn't, everyone's like, oh, the learning curve. I think that's another thing that people were really shocked about. Like, we take to, like ducks to water. So yeah. the first episode, it was just, I mean, it was just like, go look at the camera. Just It wasn't, it was just the basics. It was yeah. nothing, nothing too hard. We had to just figure out little things like, don't cover your mic with your hand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the number of curses you can say and certain right. things you can and can't Well, because it was less produced even people should remember just because they yeah. all sort of blur yeah i mean this is when you guys are basically sitting at a we were sitting in a conference room table, yeah. Right? Yeah. in a conference room you have your big bear behind was that from the beginning the big bear yeah. or whatever the, is bear, the bear was in the conference room yeah. all we did was put tims and a hat on them yeah yeah <laughs> like there was no like set building it, it's funny that you say like you know going from complex to there as in terms of production value because it was just like Five percent more production yeah. value. Yeah. <laughs> like, it wasn't. wasn't it, was, uh, it was not yeah, very right, You know right. what I mean? Like it wasn't that wild. Like literally, the days it would show up. Like we'd get off the elevator, walk into the studio, get your hair and makeup, sit down, boom. 
And go. you were told at that point, is this correct? You could say fuck only five times an episode? Yes. Yeah. Why is, I mean, five but not six? What's the... I don't know. That's the FCC, FCC cutoff or what? I guess. Like, and as a matter of fact, we didn't even, they told us that. And we were just like, that's literally not even our job. Yeah. Like, our job is for y'all to bleep down. Yeah, bleep <laughs> Yeah. Like, listen, we just give you this. Yeah. You, you, pick, take care of the rest. you yeah. pick which fuck you want to bleep. You know what I'm saying? It's up to you. Yeah, they actually would have meetings. They'd be like, yeah, we're going to leave in this fuck because it had dramatic effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. It had a little more gravity. I would be more distracted by the fact why did that fuck get bleep but the other yeah. one didn't. You have no idea but, how many people yeah. ask that question. Like, <laughs> why did they bleep the first fuck and not like the one at twelve thirty eight? Yes, right. and also depending on what time the show aired. Yeah, like if it was at night, you have five fucks. If it aired in the morning, no. You oh, didn't oh have if it aired fucks. A, the eleven a.m. show, I it was, was just like beep 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 beep. It's not like the West Side Highway during rush hour. Oh my god. So so the format though again was begin with pop culture stuff, interviews, shout outs sort of about favorite viral stuff, right? How did you guys arrive at that? How did you know that was... Because that's pretty much stayed the same. Because yeah. that's what we do best. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's like we, on the podcast, on everything we've done, we've basically been like cultural commentators, right? Yeah. So like... But there's no cultural commentators that I, that we know of that are like doing it through the lens that we're doing it. Yeah. Through. You know what I mean? So it's like just that... That aspect of it was was huge, you know what I mean, and, and that's then, the format that yeah. best lends itself to our talents. Because like if we did a traditional late night show, it'd be a way like because we riff and we're off the cuff right. all the time. If we were like reading from cue cards and like monologue, I had a guitar, yeah. and then had to start riffing, <laughs> right. you know, and then we get into like our natural riff, and then it's like stop, stop, yeah. stop, down, stop, down, yeah. stop, down, no, no, right. no, pick up, pick back up on that second line. Don't go, yeah, yeah. We, like that's not how we. No, work. from watching you record today's show earlier today, I I have a better appreciation than even watching it because you don't know how the cake is made or whatever. Yeah. But now I now saw it. it. It's like, like you really are just even when it's not when I, I don't know what you call it warm up or whatever before the cameras are rolling. It's not much different than it's the once same it's, thing. Yeah. yeah, it's the same thing. And people, they I remember when we first started, people were just like, "Yo, the live audience is whack." I was like, "You clearly have not been to the live audience." Yeah. Yeah. There was one girl today. She was like, "This is my third time here." Yeah, I saw that. They, people love it because they're yeah. like, "You the, the Instagram stories. You see people like my cheeks hurt. I laugh so hard. It's yeah. so much yeah. fun. I, it's so much better than the actual show because we're just having fun at the end of the day." Yeah. Well, so I guess the the concern which you kind of referenced a little earlier, but like about putting you guys on a TV channel that's going to have national reach, maybe international, I don't know how how far Viceland goes, is that, you know, these guys are, even from, from their accents to their attire to the topics they care about and joke about to the sense of humor, it's very Bronx-centric, mm -hmm. right? Is that going to translate in, you know, Iowa? And... There were a lot of people that were skeptical about that. Why mm -hmm. do you think it seems to have gone way beyond the borough? Because it's the authenticity. Because yeah, people yeah. know it's the real deal and this it's can't be deal. faked. Yeah. And I think there was a network exec who said almost that same exact quote. They mm -hmm. were like, when we wanted to show MTV, they were like, people in Iowa are not going to understand you. Mm -hmm. And we were like, who gives a fuck about Iowa? Yeah. Like, sorry, Iowa, but like, yeah. that's the New Yorker point of view. I'm yeah. sure people in Iowa watch Sex in the City. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's funny, our Viceland show was super popular in New Zealand and really? England and all this stuff. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, yo, if they got no problem understanding that, maybe it's just you guys in these silver towers, just like, yo, you're assuming no one's going to understand it. Right. You don't understand and it. And nobody's yeah. taking that leap. No one's taking that yeah. leap. Like, other people. And then also, as he says all the time, just Google. If you don't understand yeah. it, if we talk too fast, slow down the podcast or just pause right. it. People love, we get all these, we get 
get people who are like 73 year a guy who's a 73 year old with a MAGA hat and his Twitter bio. He was like, yo, so you guys go a little hard on my guy Trump, but other than that, you guys are okay. I love watching your show. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Well, one of the things that's come up is, you know, in other profiles about you and stuff, people have remarked on the fact that like, so you guys are late night, technically, even though people consume things at all hours now, mm-hmm. late night hosts. And in terms of black hosts that have done late night in the past, there was Arsenio Hall who did pretty well. Mm-hmm. But then most others who have, there haven't been many others who have been given a chance from the black community, Larry Wilmore, Wanda Sykes, stuff that didn't last all that long. And people said, you know, what's that about? Is it that sort of the black community won't tune into late night or what is it? And I I thought you had a pretty interesting answer. I think it was one of you said, I think those people, you know, were kind of speaking about those hosts that that didn't quite work out. Quote, I think those people, you know, were kind of brought up in that framework of like Hollywood, you know, being writers, being in writers rooms. That was, I think, Jesus and then Merrill says a lot of those shows were marketed as black shows, and that's going to already cut the audience in half. Our show has never been advertised as a show for black people, close quote. So the idea, though, you know, that that there's some challenge inherently from being a black late night host, it's bullshit, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the thing is that like the the previous host that you're talking about that like Wanda Show or Senior yeah. Show, both legends in in their own right. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it was more of like that. Like it's it's it was the template. Yeah. I feel like yeah. was was the failure. You know what I mean? Not the hosts, not their talent. That it was they the, were being maybe even from the writers room or whatever being being boxed Kinda into like, the formula, exactly. which yeah. you guys will n- have never... Yeah. never been you're not going to come out and do a monologue. Yeah, Sometimes, never. a lot of those shows, it was just like, yo, here's another late night show, except, boom, you got a black host. That's right. literally the only difference. And you're just like, right. you're like that's not enough He even has a suit on. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's not even wearing what he would normally wear. And even, like, you know, shout mm-hmm. out to Larry Wilmore, who's a yeah. good friend of ours, and yeah. we talked to him, and he was just like, you know, when you... It starts off one way, and then it shifts... You know, and it's like if something's not trending well, they might change an element on your show or whatever. And we've never had that. Our yeah. show is just like what you see is Steady. what you get. Yeah. 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 Well, so the the turning point, I guess, for the Viceland show, just a couple weeks in, as I mentioned, was the 2016 presidential election. You guys did live coverage on election night. Mm-hmm. You had pre pre super fame Cardi B, the homie. Yeah. Um, you know, you had Jim Jones. Yeah. Uh, Salud Kweli. Why do you think so that that show did you feel like it gave it a shot of momentum that you know i guess you probably picked up a lot of followers who stayed with you after that Mm -hmm. like he said we were just having fun like at that point it was just like because as new yorkers we knew who donald trump was yeah and we were like there is no way this bozo is gonna win this election (laughs) like this is just gonna we're just gonna like smoke weed drink beers have fun watch him lose laugh at him hillary's gonna be president all will be right in the world and then like we just kept going back to this guy like the fat guy yeah you know what i mean because like the, the difference between our special and every other special on TV was that we didn't want to do something with, like, 15 screens yeah. with pundits with yeah. ties on being like, well, Massachusetts, the polls are going down. Blah, 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 blah. We were just like, yo, like, let's do something fun. that is yeah. going we, to follow this but is going to be different. And we made the show that we would have wanted to watch yeah. that if, night because right. election night, you know, I watch a lot of MSNBC, a lot of Fox News, CNN, mm-hmm. and it's just like, it's it's like nine pundits and it's just like well if he gets this state and this state and you're just like what what I don't I don't know and they're just like polls haven't closed yet and yeah. they're already like making the predictions yeah. and all that stuff yeah. and I was just like you know what no we're just gonna watch election our show has always been like watching results yeah. right. so it's like yo we're gonna watch election results in real time with Cardi B and Jim Jones <laughs> just just chill because not for nothing like Cardi B does know a lot about the presidency and stuff but. Mm-hmm. 
having rappers on and having them discuss the presidential election Loki is way more entertaining than hearing pundits do it because like if I if you haven't been following the election you don't know anything like that's not the night you want to get educated all you want to know is who yeah. won and what do we go up from here? And when it so was, many fucking graphics too. Like on the yeah. other channels, it's like graphics, graphics, graphics. Red and blue. Yeah. And America, oh, and things God, like electoral. Oh, and oh he got Oregon, and you're oh. like, where? What? Where? Yeah, he won the Rust Belt. What? What's the Rust Belt? Is, did he, is exactly. he a heavyweight champ now? Yeah. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and it's wild because our fat guy literally just had like a map of the United States on a piece of paper, and he would like color in, color it in. Yeah. state. Like, well, Trump won Florida. Yeah, I think we're fucked. Yeah, yeah right. you know what I'm saying. And then like, the mood took a turn, huh? Yeah, yeah. It so was like funny because like more states he started winning, yeah. we were just like, oh shit. And then we yeah. realized like people were looking coming to us yeah. to help them through the night, and yeah. we were just like, yo, fam, like, I, look, we like, had to do a special the next day. We had DeRay on, yeah. and he was talking about you know how yeah, things yeah. probably change yeah. around Trump. But that night it was just like, yo, sorry, America, they yeah. dropped the ball. Hey, here we go. Yeah, it was funny too because like as you said, like the next day we brought in DeRay, and it was just like, I was like, wow. Like this is like the perfect guy to bring in after yeah. after that day because he was just like so calm and like even toned mm -hmm. and like, you know, it's not the like this is bad. Yeah, but it's not the end of the world. Like we just have to start doing things. You know what I mean? And like I can't I I can't quote him, but no, like, I know he, you there mean. was so many things that he said that made so much sense. You know what I mean? That it kind of like took this the the the, sh the shock away for a second. Yeah. So in the aftermath of that, with with this show on Viceland, you guys started to get some guests who were you know of a, maybe a level of fame that was new that that you know then, oh yeah for sure right i mean we're talking like, like if you watch the first 10 episodes that's us going through our phone books yeah, yeah. right right being like oh uh we know you uh, charlemagne right. what are you doing what are you doing charlemagne <laughs> i'm glad you bring him up cuz i was going to ask you about happy anniversary recently to uh dg yeah, yeah. ambush <laughs> not that i ever knew about this before and i started reading up on you know oh, yeah. this i'm like i'm into this this is yeah, yeah. and then i saw what he did to that with monique so much so much like hood love yeah. yeah because it was just like yo you guys were like you really handled that like so this was dj envy just so people are following he was unhappy because i think Jesus you'd made some comment about his we made because he got caught in some infidelity and we made yeah. a joke but it was weird because if you watch the joke it's not a joke yeah and yeah. it was just edited weird and then it was like there was like a gotcha moment on their radio show that didn't go as they planned it and we right. ended up looking better for it well because you came on the first thing is like dickhead Jesus and, and, and pussy dickhead and pussy yeah yeah right there right yeah, yeah, right. Right. Okay. but you guys kept pretty calm yo we are born and bred New York City yeah you weren't gonna get you're not gonna call me dickhead on the team that that's gonna be the end of the roast right, battle. Right. Like, no, I'm going to demolish you. And what was Charlemagne's role in all this? Charlemagne was just like, laughing to keep it he was like, it out. enjoying it. Yeah, yeah he's doing something with the Hollywood Reporter recently. I don't even know exactly, yeah. but I, I, I saw his name. He had got on to a point yeah. where Envy just got up and left. Yeah. It was, and then it was just like, you guys won. You made him leave yeah. his own show. Oh my god. <laughs> so how was that left? Just for the record, what's the? Oh, we're chilling. Like, oh, we're we're we just all played in the CC's celebrity basketball game. Everybody's good. Everything's cool. Okay. Yeah. It was funny. There wasn't even really any beef. <laughs> no, it, was, was, it was like one of those Hollywood things where people were like, yo, you guys have beef. I was like, I'm from the Bronx. This is not this what is beef. This is not beef. This is not beef. He's not waiting for me in front of my house with a gun. Right. This is not beef. <laughs> well, I don't know if uh, Monique might have something to say about Charlamagne, <laughs> but to come back, though, to some of your higher-profile guests, 
Jimmy Fallon's a pretty big yeah, deal. He started to have him. a few. That's the homie now, man. Yeah. He's, he's been on his show what seven, seven times. times? Yeah. Big yeah. Fan. Well, that's the interesting. A lot of these other late night guys love you. Seth yeah. Myers, yeah. on and Trevor on. Trevor Noah's a good friend. Trevor Noah, yeah. And I think in this building is Samantha B. I don't know if you guys have ever crossed paths with her, but I don't think we have. Yeah. But Hassan, uh, Hassan, Hassan Naj, 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 yeah. Yeah. we were just on his show. Like it's funny. There's like a camaraderie. Like people were like, "Yo, you guys have beef." I'm like, "We're not the bloods in the Crips." No. If anything, like we could sit down with Seth Myers and be like, "Bro, right." This grind. Right. Like, what about this yeah. story? Like we can connect on it. I think that's what they like because they say we bring like a fresh energy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. even you know, like they would never be like, "Yo, our show was stale or antiquated." But even so, no, they're jealous just, of you guys. Yeah, they're just like, "You guys look like you're having so yeah. much fun." And when they come on our show, they're able to do the yeah, same thing. Yeah. So yeah. it's fun having them there and letting them let their hair down. Totally. I think they have fun with us too because it's like. We're not fucking like Benicio del Toro, you <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? We're not gonna come in and be like, well, you know, my movie is coming out. Um, it's based on a Mexican cartel. Uh, I play an assassin. Uh. When we come on, it's just like, you know, we do a pre-interview like yeah. every yeah. late night show does or yeah. whatever, except ours. But it almost never stays on script. No, like it yeah. almost always makes a left turn. Yeah, or definitely. Somebody says something. I'll drop an f bomb. It always TV, feels like, like when we go on other late night shows, we're hanging out at a friend's job. Yeah. You know, we're just spinning the chairs around. Yeah, and like, yeah, like, Yo, you gonna get me in trouble? Yeah, so yeah. It always feels like that. Yo, well, where's the funny. pantry? <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever kind of read up on this, but I, in prepping for some of our other guests, we had Jay Leno and David Letterman at different points on, and. You know, you read up about, like, in the 80s, the late-night wars and all this mm-hmm. stuff. I yeah. mean, granted, there were only three channels, channels yeah. and yeah. they really, you know, you yeah. take somebody's job, it was a painful thing. But it's nice that, in a way, now everybody seems to at least be cordial. It's like an ecosystem. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I know, just to mention a couple other guests that, I mean, Tracy Morgan meant a lot to you, Mero, when he came yeah, out, right? Yeah, that he was sort of hero. Yeah, because, like, I've always admired that, like, he just does whatever the fuck he wants he's at all times mm. and he's from he went to the same high school i went to he lived yeah. in the same areas i lived there's this guy burt blanco that works at dewitt clinton high school my alma mater yeah and tracy went to the same school and he credits him with like being like yo you're funny you can do something with this like mm. you should pursue this and yeah. you know stop fucking around and he basically told me the same thing yeah you know what i mean i was just running around the school doing graffiti smoking weed like i would just come into school on test days like right. get a 90 and then leave right you know what i mean and <laughs> it would infuriate my teachers because you right. couldn't fail a kid just based on behavior right, right you can say this kid averages a 98 on every exam you can't fail no, him no. you know what i mean and it would drive them nuts so <laughs> he would bring me into his office he was a dean and yeah. he would just be like yo listen bro he's like you could be doing so many things yeah. with your talent, like just kind of focus. focus. Yeah. yeah. Another one that I got a huge kick out of, you had Attorney General Eric Holder. Oh, and yeah. oh, Jesus yeah. says to him, Has anyone ever mistaken you for something? <laughs> <Graham?" laughs> You're not going to get that on another. That was yeah. No, what, come on. What's funny about that, uh, maybe like. We were out in, I think we were in Vegas a couple of months ago, yeah. and I'm at, a t- I'm sitting there at a table with Stedman Graham. Really? Yeah. And he leads over. He goes, "Some people say I look like Eric Holder." And I, was like, I was like, "How fucking cool is this?" That's awesome. That is so cool. That's so great. And then your final guest, I thought was hilarious. I rewatched this yesterday. The creme de la creme. Pope himself. Yeah. You know what? That is such a New York thing because everyone was like, "We had Diddy on." Yeah. They're like, "Who are we gonna end it's it with?" They're like, it's gonna... "You're ending it with a local sports no, that no one was ever." 
never heard of. I was like, you don't understand. He's a legend. Do you see the glee on our faces? We were just so happy to have him. I mean, you probably have been listening to him your whole life. Your whole life. And it's so great because he reiterated what we've been saying all along. Because, you know, he's Mike Francesa. He talks like this. He's a very New York guy. (laughs) You know? So we were like, you know, like you have a very distinctive voice. Like your voice is very like I'm a New York Italian guy. Did that hinder your career? He's like, no, never. He's like, you know what? Anybody that had a problem with it, I said, screw them. And I just kept pushing. Did my own thing in my own voice. He says, I don't care. I'd rather be the best in New York and really appeal to them than try to please everybody else by changing. I remember they were saying he wanted him to change his name. You guys Mm -hmm. had this whole, it was a great conversation. So why was that the end of the Viceland chapter for you guys? It seems like from things I've read, there was a sense you were being worked too much for too little pay, right? If you're going to work that hard, which again, four shows a week, people should pay accordingly, right? You were carrying the channel in a sense, right? I mean, and also like it was like the contract was up. They had they put in an order, and the order ended, and it was just like, do you want to do this again? And not really. It sounds like Showtime had expressed interest. A Even before a few people, yeah, yeah, yeah. so like that's what made it seem like oh, there's bad blood because it was yeah. like same thing that happened with Complex and MTV. It was just on a bigger scale. Like these other companies are aware of us. They're like oh, these guys have something. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like let's throw our hat into the ring. You know what I mean. Like we know that their contract is about to be up, so let's throw our hat into the ring. So who were some of the other places? Um, probably shouldn't say that. No, no, that's Dark. that's a, a, that's unnecessarily messy. Is it? <laughs> it is because you know what? We'll say it here, and it'll be fine. And we leave this room, and it'll get screamed at by our PR agents. So. <laughs> but would you say? I mean, off the record. Well, don't don't do that because you're. Not, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I would guess you don't have to respond if you don't want to. But I would guess a place like Netflix has been wanting to get into late night, and they are finally starting to. So, can I describe what you're doing, Meryl? A little. Uh, A little shy grin. Okay. So that's like other places. But what made you guys decide to go with Showtime? Just that fact that they were like, listen, we have never done late night before. We know that you guys are a proven commodity. And we just want to give you the resources to do what you want to do. Not what we tell you to do, what you want to do. Like, what is your vision for this show? Like, what is the best version of the show that you think it could be? And we want to help you make it. We don't want to make it for you. We want to help you make it and provide you with the resources and then kind of, like, get out of the way a little bit. And Showtime is kind of like how the Knicks, you know, I'm a Knicks fan, I have to use this analogy, (laughs) how the Knicks right now, they're set up and they have all that cap space and the money. And it's just like, when you think of Showtime, what do you think? And it's just like the L word, you kind of think of like a blank slate. And we was like, right. we could fill that blank slate. Right. We could go to that channel and possibly be the biggest thing that channel has. We wouldn't yeah. necessarily have that chance at other channels. Yeah. And it was like, not only that, Showtime, when we met David Nevins and people at Showtime, yeah. they weren't blowing smoke up our ass. Yeah. They yeah. knew the podcast. Like, they did an initial meeting where we were just like, yo, could y'all chill? They were using too many references from the podcast. It was <laughs> weird. So they really got the vision and yeah. we were just like, yo, fam, this could be something great. Right. So basically... The Viceland chapter was October 17th, 2016 to June 28th, 2018. And then just a few months later, on February 21st of 2019, we're talking now like four months, basically. Mm-hmm. You started at Showtime here. Another difference going from four days a week to one, now two. You originally won, now you guys are doing Mondays and Thursdays. Yeah. Why did it expand to two? I mean, you know you're doing something right when the only criticism you're getting is this isn't enough. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. every review, everything was like glowing. Yeah. The only people that were like, oh, fuck, were the fans. Yeah. In this era of TV where there's like zero appointment viewing, yeah. people were telling us like, you are appointment viewing yeah. for us. Yeah. Me and my partner sit down and watch you guys live yeah. every night. You know what I mean? And now it's like once a week yeah. and like, ah, oh, it's a little, ah, uh, can we get some more? So give people what they want. Well, and also uh, then doing it Monday and Thursday, that gives you like the Monday show is like the catching up of the weekend. Whatever yeah. happened yeah. over the weekend. Yeah. And then Thursday, you just catch whatever happened or Thursday, something turned yeah. into a bigger story. Yeah. Yep. So that way you didn't have to like sit on a story. Because sometimes there were like great Monday stories, but if you touched it on Thursday, it'd be stale. stale yeah. So it gives us two chances to take a crack at the week. So it's like catching up and just, you know, it gives you a chance to do the reporting of the week. And it, it was something that you guys were happy about or resistant because like it's probably a lot more work no we either, we asked for it you asked, we asked for, it. Yeah. for it we wanted it yeah. yeah because precisely what he said like yeah. it makes perfect sense if you come in on a monday yeah all this stuff that happened friday saturday award shows playoff yeah. games all types of shit happens on the weekend yeah so it's like okay we're gonna cover all of that yeah again to his point if something has legs yeah. and it starts on a Saturday yeah. and it's still going strong on Thursday, we'll come back to it on Thursday. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. expand. There might be extra details to this story now. I feel like we did that once at Vice where a lady drove her car into a gas station and there was just like this one angle of it. Two days later, we come in and there's like, oh, there's, <laughs> more, there's yeah. more angles of this. <laughs> right, right. Like of like you cell keep phone it going. footage and all that and right. people going nuts and like all this type of stuff. And through all this now, through Viceland, through Showtime, the podcast has always remained. Podcast is never going anywhere. Untouched. If anything, the podcast has moved from Red Bull Studios, is now recorded at Milk Studios in yeah. the jam room. And that was more a logistical thing about mm -hmm. we do so much filming now yeah. that we might not always be available at like 10 a.m. on Friday. But you've said with the podcast, the worst thing you could ever do would be to put ads or a price on, yeah. you know, charging people for the podcast. So, with all the work that goes into doing this show twice a week and you have a huge exposure through that and you're using a lot of great material on that, what is the reason to keep doing the podcast? For the people. For the people, yeah. And for us, too. Like, yeah. Not, not no, to, we not, enjoy doing yeah. it and it's just like, it's kind of like, well, listen to the podcast, you're just kind of hearing us as like crowd work. Like we're just riffing ideas and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. The podcast is like so immediate, so low energy. It's like it takes no effort for us to do it. But every now and then we listen to it and we're like, yo, this is brilliant. Yeah. The fans have always rocked with us an idea that you know we always give them the podcast for free if we were to put a paywall yeah. up or something like people be like yo that's kind of fucked up like we've been with you from day one yeah. we know some people don't have showtime we yeah. know yeah. some people don't have time to watch tv right. some people can only digest it through the actual yeah. or treadmill this, or right. yeah. and, and yeah. as an yeah. added bonus we recently also added video for the podcast so you ah. can hear it audio yeah. only or you can watch it on the YouTube channel, people like that's the way I prefer to watch yeah, it because yeah. yes, it's a funny podcast, but there's visual things Please. that happen or like he'll make a face or there's sometimes we're like <laughs> we'll just be cracking up for like thirty seconds and if you look on the YouTube like we're really there just cracking up or he'll have something on his laptop and we'll be talking about it and he'll just turn it to the video so like look, get the reference. like this is what <laughs> this I'm is talking what, yeah. about yeah. you know what I mean like well so with this Showtime program I guess one other difference is that you guys now have a big staff i'm here in your offices how many people work here oh, like, shit, shit if i know you gotta give me a roll uh, but probably shoot. like dozens yeah. right yeah, yeah yeah gotta be and you have writers mm -hmm. which yep. you'd never had before at viceland or anything and now i know that most of what we see like today at the taping just of a you know example show is riffing maybe you have a topic or something you have this lady at the table who's kind of encouraging you maybe prompting you with some ideas or whatever but basically what are the writers focused on here? What do they do? 
the sketches and the field pieces. So, like, when you go off with John Legend to do Chocolate Galaxy or now the one that we saw today, Lin-Manuel Miranda, coming up with a Broadway show, mm-hmm. Bebe, Bebe Ruth, that's primarily orchestrated, written by the writers you guys know that's that was off the dome off the dome that was off the dome because he's been saying that's a joke we've had all the time about babe ruth is secretly dominican (laughs) and after that it was just like you got lin-manuel on the piano like just go to the races but the writers did help with that because they were just like what if he was like what if you played jackie robinson right like we come up with the the (laughs) general idea and like little twists and turns how about the greenest book your green book book. that was that was was, was, so that was written and we kind of improv some lines but yeah that's the kind of thing the writers do yeah Real big projects. So the if you ru- compare it to something, it would be Kirby Enthusiasm, where it's yes. just like this is the starting point, this is the end point. There's a beat in between. Yeah, just get me to this end point. Yeah, this is what you got polishing to- it. Yeah, and yeah. it was more so like we're not sketch writers. We have the ability to do so, but it's the whole point of like doing this was to kind of lighten the load, right? Raise the production value and lighten the load. Yeah. So like. It's easier to just be like, instead of us sitting in a room and being like, okay, this is the first beat, this is the second beat, this is the right. third beat. It's like, we already know what we're going to do. So we could just have, you know, hey, can you just beat this out for us and then right. give it to us and we'll look it over right. and like, okay, do this. And they kind of learn your voice. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, so the writers that you have here, how many are we talking about? Six. Uh, Josh Heaven, Claire, Z Way, Mike, Mike. Josh. It's funny because Josh Gondelman and I went to Brandeis University together. Yeah. We were, yeah, and we're so. always breaking his balls. He's a Boston fan. He's yeah. a Boston oh, fan. Yeah, he's yeah. a Boston fan. He's also like, fuck Josh. He's but also the nicest an, person in the world. Like, it's, so, it's, it's so annoying. <laughs> it's so annoying. I love you, Josh. I, there's an example, though. I, maybe you can talk me through it. I haven't had a chance to talk to him since he moved over to you guys. Mm-hmm. But like, here's somebody who was winning Emmys down the block with John Oliver last mm-hmm. week tonight. And chose to leave there to apply to, I guess, work with you guys. How does it work in terms of staffing up a writing room? You know, it's funny. Most of the people we hired either came, like, people spoke very highly of them or they're people we just straight up knew and vibe with. Like, I've known Heaven forever. Like, we go to brunch together. We've been following Josh online forever. So, like, to see his resume, and I'm like, oh, shit, Josh gone. Like, that's a no-brainer. And all these people, they have names. They're just like, yo, these are, like, the creme de la creme of the writers. But also, we went through about 400 writers' submissions. So, it was just like, you had to find someone close enough to your sensibilities but not like that was able also to write for us so yeah took a while but we found a good core yeah, right yeah. your first guest was aoc that yeah. was a good way to get on people's radar oh, yeah. she's great yeah. hometown girl yeah. yes and then i remember just i'm just thinking about some of these early moments with this new show where i think it might have flashed on people's radars even if they weren't regular viewers yet i loved when that asshole Tucker Carlson started picking a fight with Chris Hayes yeah. and not knowing. Jesus, what's your history with Chris Hayes? Chris Hayes and I were in the same gifted program in New York City public schools from second grade until like seventh grade. And so, so what? like I've my whole life I've known Chris Hayes. <laughs> right. So like, who was what? also good friends with Lin Manuel? Exactly. Yeah. And so it's funny. Like one day, like I casually mentioned it to yeah. somebody, and they were just like, "Really? That's odd." And then one day they asked Chris Hayes, and then he went on Twitter, was like, "Oh, by the way, I went to school with Jesus." Yeah. And everyone was like. What? Like yeah. everyone's head exploded, and like they want to see like a cartoon, little Jesus, little Miro, yeah. little Chris Hayes. Yeah. Like, but no, like it's a small world. And then to see Tucker Carlson be like, Chris Hayes is like this little a beta he's male. A beta yeah. male. This is what this is what happens with a feminist wing. Wait, and Tucker was, Carlson used to walk around with his stupid bow tie, bow tie. and whatever. And then like growing up, like people yeah. don't realize Chris Hayes was so cool in school, and like he was really? a quarterback when we used to play football. And he had a hell of an arm, and Chris Hayes was pretty solid. Like yeah. he was never he never got picked on or bullied. Yeah, yeah. So to see this and see Tucker Carlson. 
honestly, come, I was like, nah, nah. I also, love that. You also, really... Chris Hayes is from the Bronx. Yeah, so I represent you. Went people. right back at him. Then some other just great guests that I've enjoyed. I just want to mention the name. If you have a comment, we'll just zoom through a few. Spike Lee was great. Always oh, fun. Oh, he was amazing. Always right? fun. He's you had a little Brooklyn time. Bronx Panther. Yeah. And Ava DuVernay. She's the right. homie. Uh, yeah. Like, just, she's brilliant. That and was like, fun. Being able to talk to her and, like, she's very down to earth. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. I love this. <laughs> Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was, he's he, from the Bronx, too. That's right. And he turned out to have been a wrestler, and yeah. you got him to loosen up a little bit. Yeah, that people, was good. It was always funny. People come on our show, and they're able to show a side they never show before, Absolutely. and they really enjoy it. Speaking of that, Anna Kendrick, I think one of you said <laughs> you took her, this is your term, I uh, kick out of it, Hood Safari. Hood Safari. <laughs> you want to tell people what that means? That's like, I mean, it sounds bad, but it's just like, yo, we're going to take you. People hear Hood Safari and you're just drinking like in a car, like Six Flags, and you're looking at like monkeys over here. It's like, no, we're going to show you around the hood. It's and like Mayor took, Pete, too. Yes. He did the same thing. We yeah. took her to places where she necessarily couldn't go on her own, but she wouldn't right. even know about. Right. And shout out to her. Like, she came with no security or whatever. She was open to go wherever. <laughs> and we took her to some very rough parts of the Bronx, <laughs> and she was good with it. She was good. Well, lately, the thing that's happening is that the Democratic presidential candidates, people who want to run against Trump, this has become a stop on the tour for them. So mm-hmm. we've had Senator Gillibrand, Senator Booker, Mayor Pete. Mm-hmm. Am I leaving anybody out yet? Stacey Abrams. Uh, Stacey Abrams may get in there. How do you guys feel when, obviously, there are certain topics that you are right at home with? Sports. Mm -hmm. You guys both love your Yankees Mm -hmm. and your Knicks and whatever. Music, different stuff. Do you enjoy when politics becomes a part of the show? It depends because yeah. sometimes it's just like some politics is necessary to discuss and some is just like that's not why you tuned in. Yeah. Certain political discussions are so dry they need to belong on like actual serious shows because yeah, right. you don't have the time or yeah, the nuance yeah. or even the credibility to discuss these things. Yeah. And it's just like that's not what you came to us for. No, like no. you don't want me and Miro to expound on like housing rates and things like, <laughs> like <laughs> this is, we're, yo, we're, that's we're, crazy subpar mortgages. Yo, yo. So you know like we yo. try we don't you know like we know a little but we're not gonna just No like, and you give the cliff notes so yeah. people know yeah. Mayor Pete who he is, what he's about. Also and I think it's more like what our thing is more like have you heard of this person? Here is this person. We're just right, putting yeah. you on your radar. Maybe you like them, maybe you're not. You're never going to come out here like, Jesus Mero endorsed this person for president. Like, no. no. That is, what's up is uh, our friend Pio, the little, uh, <laughs> little Dominican. We might endorse him for president. Yeah, that's, about that's about it. What's nice is that when you have an unconventional segment, like what you guys are going to do with these folks, you can actually learn something about, like, just to take, because this was a pretty recent one, the Mayor Pete example, mm-hmm. you take him to eat Dominican, Dominic, what do you call it? Dominican Chef, Japanese Chef, fusion. Chapa, Chapa, Chapeadoras. Chapeadoras. <laughs> uh, he goes for those. You take him drinking out of a brown paper bag. <laughs> I was waiting to see, like, you know, I was wondering, you know, is he going to be somebody that's a little uptight? He's not going to do it because I can't have a, I can't do it. No, he, he rolled with it, it seemed yeah. like. So I that was he good. Wins, he, he should win some points for that yeah. because, like, yeah. people are just like, why would you do that? It's like, fam, if we didn't have a TV show, we literally would be in that yeah, park yeah, right yeah, now right drinking, yeah. talking yeah. about, yeah, we should have a TV show. Uh, and also, like, some my friends were like, I didn't even know who this guy is. All they knew, they was like, he's the gay, the gay, gay candidate. Yeah, yeah. I was, they was like, I didn't know he was fluent in Spanish. Right. I didn't know he's like a veteran. Yeah. All this stuff. Right. And I was like, cool. He, now it you worked do. for him. He, worked, he got yeah. it out there. Yeah. yeah. To me, the best part about it is that like, when the politicians and those types of people come on, it's more about like, yo, who are you? Yeah. Not who is presidential hopeful Cory right, Booker. Right, like, right. who is Cory? Right. You know what I mean? What do you do? Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, what is your the, exactly cut like, the chase? I think yeah. after yeah. Trump, like the game has changed as far as elections and candidates and stuff. Yeah. And it's no like, what was the guy's name that uh, the doctor? How Dean? Yeah. Remember he did the scream and yeah. Was, yeah. Like, yeah. Were like, his career is done. 
one. He could never, yeah. Like, he lost because of a scream. And now, crazy. those days are over. Oh, and I think I people now, the candidates know that. It's not enough to have five talking points right. and just bring them everywhere. Like, right. people have to see the complete picture. So, as somebody that has to do a lot of interviews for this podcast, I prep like crazy because I'm just scared of not having something to talk about or whatever. You guys, I was amazed to read, you do basically not much, right, prep? We, we actually might do negative prep. We might actually... <laughs> the there have been times... Not the podcast, for the show. For any, oh, yeah. the show. Like, oh, there's yeah, times yeah. where, like, I'll come in fully prepared for the guests, and they're like, that is the wrong person. I have no <laughs> idea what you studied. <laughs> but our interviews, if you look at them, it's more like... Tell us about yourself, and we're discovering that person at the same time in the audience yeah, is. Right. We don't ask normal questions. We don't ask, like, right. what's your next project? It's right. like, yo, fam, what's the brokest you've ever been? Right. And every <laughs> now and then, if you watch the people we interview, we know we've broken a person if they're just like, yo, no one's asked me that. Or, yeah, yeah. Or wow, or just like they look off, and they're like, I haven't even thought about that. Or right. we'll bring up, like, the first YouTube show they ever did. Yeah. And now they're like, oh, they have a movie that's opening $100 right. million opening weekend. We're like, you remember this YouTube? And they're like, oh, fam, I haven't seen this in 20 wow, years. Wow, okay. Right. So we, it's just we, like, you want to catch the real humanity of the yeah, person absolutely. so it's very hard to do that with like just preparation yeah. like yeah, sometimes yeah. you just gotta go with your gut we interviewed max hellerman who's like a sports yeah, yeah. boxing guy PDI, right almost nobody knows like he was like a rapper no, and he has yeah. like a, he wait, has wait, a video. Max he has, Kellerman. Yes, he Max has a video up, and we showed it. He was like, <laughs> "He's like, find wow, this? where did you find this shit?" You know what I mean? Like that's the type of stuff that you're getting. Yes, we have, Chris Hayes, we underestimate these yeah, guys. We have a, we have someone that writes questions and helps us do research. Yeah. you could ask her. She's just like, "This is important. Yeah. Hit this." But the rest of it is just like, "Yo, go oh, you. fly." Yeah. All right, so with our last minute, I just wonder if we can do something called rapid fire. Just the first thing that gotcha. comes to your mind. What was the biggest fight that you two ever had? These are from your point of view. Biggest fight we ever had was in South by Southwest. We were trying to get back. We were trying to get back somewhere, and Uber did some stupid thing where, in order to use Uber, you had to download the whole update. I had no service. The Austin cab company was like, "It's gonna be a two-hour wait," and like he's not panicking, and I'm like, "Yo, we're going to die out here. Like, <laughs> why don't you care? You never care. Everything with you just falls into place." And he's just like, "Everything's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be okay." And I'm like, "It's not," and I'm literally about to punch him <laughs> in the face. Out of nowhere, randomly, a car passes by. I was like. Oh wow, Jesus Mero, you guys want to ride back with us? I'm like, no, he's never gonna learn. <laughs> yeah, was like, that was fantastic. our biggest. That was our biggest fight. <laughs> Could you guys? Hopefully, this never happens. But you grew up like me with Mike and the Mad Dog, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. There was a time when Dude, Mike yeah. and the Mad Dog went their separate ways. Could you two ever be as good apart as you are together? I Probably, like, but yeah. it wouldn't be as much fun. Yeah. yeah, that's. I think we both are equally like. He could break off and do some fire shit. I could break off and do some fire yeah. shit, but it's like with our powers combined, right, yeah. right, right. fire, it's earth, it's like this water, heart. People like chocolate you know? and people like peanut butter. People love Reese's, yes. and that's what you that's what you want. You have to give an answer to this. There's no politically correct copy. Wow. Of the other late night hosts out there right now, if you could only save one, wow, who would it be? If you only save one, meaning like who do you enjoy the most? Uh, Tucker Carlson. Of the late night, <laughs> <laughs> he is a joke. Yeah, Alex Jones. If we could only save one, uh, probably Hassan because I met his daughter and I feel really bad. <laughs> but you, uh, let's frame it this way though: the other late night hosts who you most tap into their sense of humor. Uh, you know what it is they all like it's, it's different because like when we do Fallon, like and we fuck around and we do cause you know Fallon like plays games yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah. Like we have a fun doing that. With Seth, we go on Seth and it's just like the banter mm -hmm. is like A one, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like different yeah, it's aspects different. of different yeah. shows. So it's like you know it's, I, mean? I don't have kids, so I don't know if this is true. It's like asking us to ask 
pick our yeah, favorite kids or something yeah. like that. Because yeah. they're all good. There's no late night hosts. We're like, nah, he got to die. Like, no, <laughs> we can all survive. The thing professionally, you know how they, whatever they call it, like vision board, you put something on there, it's going to happen. What professionally that you haven't yet gotten to do would you most want to do? To give an Emmy acceptance speech. Yes. Oh, yeah, for yeah, real. I was watching the Tony Tuesday. Yeah. I didn't even care about, like, who won. I was just, like, taking notes. Studying like, the speech. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do this. How much time do you yeah. use the music comes we won on. a Webby, but the Webby thing was, like, you have a five-word acceptance speech. <laughs> yeah. I was like, are you no, fucking kidding me? you got to go out and give it. What go. would a Jesus and Mero Emmy acceptance speech sound like? The music's definitely coming on. It's coming oh, yeah, on. I think sure. we have to thank every person in the Bronx by alphabetical order. So it's going to be like, <laughs> Anthony Angelo. Barry Angelo, Christina Angelo. <laughs> no, it would just be like, it's probably be like this interview, just thanking everyone that's been there, people yeah. from Complex, people from Vice, just everyone that's helped us get to the point we were at in that point in our career. Because the thing is, like, us winning an Emmy is so many people helped us get to that moment. Yeah. And we always see, like, even the fan, people just like, I'm so proud of you. You guys are like my, like, you have like 16 year olds coming up, like, you guys feel like my sons, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> and it's just like, we'd have to thank all those people. Would there be a certain visual that we might see on Oh, the, you know, the oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, of yeah. course. Yeah. We're like, yo, Bronx yeah. stand. Yo, I think if we win an Emmy, just go outside and put a cup of your air, you will hear the whole Bronx cheering yes. no matter where you're at. <laughs> if you hadn't gotten the, I guess the original thing would have been the email from Complex mm -hmm. and this career path had not happened, what would you be doing today? Funny story, we were actually about to start a podcast before Complex reached out. Only problem is we had no fucking idea how to do a podcast. So I was sitting at my desk Googling how to do a podcast. I actually was reading reviews work. for this kind of thing. So <laughs> so you think that's what you would be doing? I think, you know what, we definitely would have at least given it a shot. A shot something yeah. on Twitter, yeah. we were just like, there's something here. There's yeah. definitely something here. And if it would have blown up, we would have kept... Yeah, on doing it while yeah. maintaining our day jobs. Yeah, somehow. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it would like say the podcast just was kind of successful, but never led to all this. We probably it was still fun. We yeah, probably still do be it doing it just yeah. like some Let low rated podcast, yeah, but yeah. we would just be doing us. Yeah. You know what the last question has to be? With our neon sign. Absolutely. Oh yeah, I got our neon sign. Uh, can't wait to put that Emmy on my coffee table. <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to have any more children. <laughs> But I love you, Adrian, Avery, Amari, and Azalea, and Heather for birthing them. But if I did have a fifth child, it would be named Emmy. <laughs> That's a long neon sign. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, guys. This is awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs>
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.